Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome on today's show. We have Mark Cleary. He is a martial arts therapist and he is a yoga teacher. Hello, welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Why did you go do martial arts? That's a big question. <laughs> Bottom line, I suppose, to defend myself. So when I look back now, the reason I started martial arts, I was scared. And I thought that would be a way out. That would be, you know, you go for self-defense. And even when I became a teacher and students would fill in forms when they joined and you would always ask the question, why do you want to do this self-defense? But when you look behind self-defense, it's because I was scared. I was young and then, yeah, I wanted to be able to protect myself. What were you scared of? Just general life I suppose you know just yeah just general life out there I've grown up in Dublin it can be pretty tough for a, a young lad there's there's a lot of I wasn't ever bullied but there's a lot of that goes on a lot of intimidation so yeah I that was probably the main reason you know were you in your teens or 20s I was, or? I was in my early 20s and I'd come through as a teenager the Bruce Lee era you know going to the movies and we all wanted to be Bruce Lee but you know you don't see the, you see the spectacular you don't see what's behind it and um, you don't see the hard work that's involved to get to a stage where you can actually start being confident or good with that type of martial arts in general you know but what I discovered when I when I started doing martial arts was um I loved it. I loved the challenge. I loved the the end. Yeah, I just loved the exercise. I loved the feeling. Um, 
I was very I joined the club that um, I had to join a waiting list to get into it it was a very exclusive small club because it was local I didn't know what I was going to join other than it was a martial arts club and when I look back today I, I realise how um, intense the training I was doing was it was it was very tough but I was in my early 20s and I was ready for that kind of training and I, I really enjoyed it I enjoyed walking out of class exhausted we used to laugh and say I hope we don't get mugged on the way home we won't be able to fight <laughs> but it was great it was great fun great people and um, you know, we've made lifelong friends from those days. Even I bump into some of those guys today, and we have great chats. And um, so, yeah, it was it was a really good team for me. It was it was the start of everything I do today. Walking into that martial arts club, if I hadn't have done that, I think I'd still be walking in a factory today. You know. Okay. Well, um, was it what kind of martial arts was it? It was a, it, that that particular club wasn't affiliated to any other clubs it came from um, the guy I went to train with he'd been trained by an older guy who when karate came to Ireland first there would have been only a handful of people doing it and it just so happens that we're sitting here in my backyard well the original instructor lived down this road He's from, he was from this road which is funny you know yeah. um, but he would have trained with there was a Japanese man who used to travel to Europe every a few times a year and Jimmy this guy's name was he used to travel to France and England to train with him so he brought back that hard style of karate and the guy I studied with was Jimmy's top instructor so it was very it was a very hard unusual style in the sense of um, if you look at karate styles like the, the common ones are Shotokan and Taekwondo and Kempo in those days and um, we were kind of doing a mix of training that included weapons like swords and bows and we even did some archery and we were playing around with lots and lots of different things and then um, we would invite other instructors in to come in and teach us different things from different styles and then we developed that and play with it all so we were doing a big mix of a lot of things you know it was very interesting and out of the the technique and the self-development what else were you learning more about yourself through the the practice of it in the early days now I'd say it was just all blood and guts kind of thing you know Um, it was getting fit it was very physical Um, but when you're in your 20s you are a very physical person and then it was all focused on that but it was only later in life that I started to understand there was more to to it than that and the whole like I said if I hadn't walked in that door I'd probably still be walking in a factory and there's nothing wrong with that but for me where I ended up where I am today it wouldn't have happened without training in martial arts because what happened was after a few years we changed style we we discovered this style called Bujinkan Nimbo Taijutsu. It comes from a grandmaster in Japan and he's part of a lineage where he's the 84th grandmaster. It's been handed down over 1200 years or more. And in the 70s when he was given permission, he was promoted to grandmaster and 
he'd exclusively trained with his teacher for 15 years at that stage and his teacher handed it over to him he opened it up to the world he was the first and um, of that line of grandmasters to actually look at the exploring and handing it out to the western world that particular style so within that style there was also because it comes from an ancient system those ancient martial arts systems also have medicine systems beside them and they would have a great understanding of personal development and even spirituality within the within the style within the within the system they would have it wouldn't just be a fighting system like it was developed by warrior monks who had to go hiding in the mountains because Japan was feudal in those days. Mm-hmm. So they would have had a lot more. They would have understand, understood living with nature and create, working with natural medicines and all these types of things. As well as being warriors, they had, they had to survive in the mountains. So they needed everything. So when you study something that traditional, all the aspects are there for you if you want to go into it. And what drew me into the medicine side was I got injured in my when I was about 27. And I struggled with the injury for quite a while. And um, I was, if I was to say I was at my peak then physically, I, after being training for six, seven years in my 20s, I felt like I was... I was feeling good in every aspect. I was fit. I was able to do the training. I was really enjoying that level of high intense training at at the level we were at. And then all of a sudden, bang, I got injured and it all stopped. And I went exploring through physios and doctors to try and get the injury sorted. It was a bad shoulder injury. And then I wasn't getting any answers for it. It I was struggling with it. And... I discovered a couple of years later um, that there was a medicine side to this martial art that was worth exploring and mm. I met a guy who was already a cranial osteopath and he was developing a type of uh, body work that was becoming exclusively his but he came to train with us in martial arts and in meeting him and he worked on my shoulder and all of a sudden my shoulder was feeling good. He was the first person who ever did that for me in the two or three year period I've been struggling with the injury. Um, and as he came up in the styles, in the it was for short, it was it's called ninjutsu. As he came up the levels, he visit visited Japan, and the grandmaster met him and was introduced to him. He was. He was told how good this guy was with his hands. He was a very, he still is today, a very good practitioner. Um, But the Grandmaster was very happy with what he was doing. So he decided to translate to what's called Amatsu, is the medicine side of the artery he did. Mm -hmm. He decided to translate those scrolls and teach them to this guy. And I had already started to study with him to be um, not a cranial osteopath, but to to um, he'd fixed my shoulder more or less, and I wanted to know how he did that. So he was teaching classes, so I went to the classes, and he was teaching us some basic stuff. And then when he got access to the Amatsu teachings, he was back and forward to Japan, and he was given permission to share that with us. 
So we were right, there was a small group of us right in there getting this almost straight from the horse's mouth as such. Straight, um, straight translation from Japan. So that's, I began studying a maths with them. How did the years leading up before that, mm. were you struggling mentally with trying to get the shoulder right from life and movement and trying to get back into what you loved? Um, I was, I stupidly, now in hindsight, I look back, I stupidly kept training. Um, I used to tie a ribbon around my arm so nobody would touch my arm in the training. Um, <sighs> that was probably, that was probably the ego in me, not wanting to lose my niche in the class. I was mm. kind of up there with the, at the highest level of the class, apart from the instructor, and I didn't want to drop down by taking time out or too much time out. So I just kept going, but that's what you do when you're young. You, you don't see the consequences that I might really damage this thing for the rest of my life, you know. But the silver lining on it was that if I hadn't have kept going, I wouldn't have met this guy. Mm. And mentally in those days, to be honest, I had no real mental or conscious awareness of, of um, maturing or growing up or whatever you want to call that, you know. So the mental aspect of it was still, I wasn't, I didn't have much awareness around that. It was just the whole physical thing for me, let's try and get this better, let's try and keep going, you know. Uh, so so you realize you, your ego's in the way, you have to get this fixed and everything, and then you you meet this this guy and he, he starts working on you and it fixes. It must be a sense of relief to have that moving back from zero to hero uh, kind of. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. It was from, from trying, you know, being a martial artist and knowing that you only had one punch in that arm because once I swung that arm, it would collapse. Um, yeah, the, that was, that was difficult to walk with. That was difficult to walk with. So to get that back was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You meet this guy and he's he's digging into you and you've got huge relief and you're 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 happy to be moving and th- throwing stuff left or right. Yeah. What what made you go and and invest into this new style of of the medicine side? Um well my main goal was to completely clear the shoulder injury. I suppose it, you could say it was there was a selfish ambition in me to I want to get rid of this completely. And he has actually, in one go, he gave me maybe 80% relief. He got my shoulder that I could I could lift my arm over my head without pain. I wasn't able to do that for a couple of years. So that really impressed me. So I just wanted to, I thought, if I go and study with this guy for a few months or a year, maybe this will be better. And I'll just get on with life. I never envisaged or had a goal to end up doing this professionally I, I I didn't have a dream let's say I was just I was focused more on yeah everyday living I was married at the time I had a young baby I had a job it was a busy job and the spare time I had was just focused on training so life was kind of just that for me I used to I worked in a place where I did 12 hour shifts even at that time I was still doing night work so it was like four nights a week I was working and then I used to have Friday off and work Saturday to get some overtime so I had a busy life so going to those classes I never thought in the beginning that I'd have time to actually become him let's say 
like somebody like him who was doing his that job professionally, you know. And I didn't even see it in me that I had those capabilities. I just wanted to um, get my shoulder fixed. If I'm honest, and yeah. all you want to get back and happy and yeah, moving yeah, and yeah, yeah. and be free, you know, it's just so an injury can restrict your your day to day goings. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so you went to class, and over a while, you got hooked on another level of hooked into it, and you feel like, wow, I can move, medicine's working. What made you go from a guy who's doing in life crazy to transitioning to? the medicine side, the yoga side, etc. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, what happened for me, We this guy lived in England, so we visited maybe four or five times in the year and spent a weekend. So we would do two days, small group of us, sometimes in a guy's house, other times in a room we'd rent. Um, and we'd just get together with him and he would teach us what he had. He, he just showed us how we walked, you know, um, and we would meet once a week as a group and we'd explore what he was teaching us until he came back the next time. But what happened to me was he kept encouraging us to get family members or get friends, throw them up on a table to see can you help them out, focus on back problems. He seemed to think that was the easiest thing to give us in the beginning. And lo and behold, by the end of that year that I had more or less in the back of my mind said, if I did this for a year with him, this would probably be better. But by the end of that year, people were knocking on my door and asking me, could I fix the backs? It was just happening mm. very naturally for me. It was, and even then I still wasn't thinking I'm gonna end up doing this. Um, but it just seemed to be something that was happening very naturally for me. and. It chased me rather than me chase it. As regards um, it chasing me, people were, uh, for instance, I had a, my mother had a chronic back problem at that time. She'd been struggling for 10 years. She was actually laid up most of the time. We had to set her bed downstairs in the house because she couldn't climb the stairs. And then very quickly by introducing my mother to what I was doing, we got her back on her feet with the help of um, another guy who was also studying. And he worked a program for me to say, do this with your mother every week. And even the English guy had a look at her and he did some adjustments with her. But within a few months, my mother was all of a sudden being able to go out again. And she'd been so restricted for a good 10 years in her life with a chronic problem. So she had a sister, an aunt of mine, who had a similar problem, so I was bringing her in and working on her. So of course, they're excitedly telling people. Then I had two friends of mine who their wives were struggling with their backs. And myself and a friend of mine, Derek, we used to meet them once a week and work on them. And this just developed into them telling other people, oh, I'm feeling good and I haven't felt good for a long time. And people were chasing me. Hey, I believe you can do this, I believe you can do that. And that's how it all started, it, you know, if I'm being really honest. Um, it just started to develop from there. It must, it must have felt cool to see your mother go from restricted to up to her feet and family coming and friends coming in and say, yeah. oh my God, I can do this, this, yeah, this. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> when I look back now, I go, how did I do that? It's almost like, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was actually doing. But 
that was the subtlety of what I now understand to be energetic connection with people. And I do believe that all my martial arts training, especially step, would it have happened with the karate style I was doing originally? I don't know. Because the difference in the new style we ventured into that was this ancient system. The movement in it is very flowing. And my understanding of movement today is obviously when your body is physically freed off to flow without restriction. We also have energy systems within us and naturally they're going to flow much better. So then if I put my hands on someone and that energy is flowing through me or within me and it has much more freedom, it's going to have an effect on their energy system as well. So for me, that was like the martial art led me to a place where when I started to put my hands on people, something deeper was happening that I didn't understand at that time because I was learning a very physical type of uh, therapy to work with, you know. But it was always chasing the structure. It was always going deeper through the layer, the outer layers to get to, like in craniosacral therapy, the very end. If craniosacral therapists will put their hands on you and be able to feel the flexion and extension motion of the bones. It was always chasing that and deeper. So you are very much connecting with people on an energy level, which I now know makes real magic happen. I yeah. didn't understand it in those days, but yeah. I, it's no surprise to me now that people were coming looking for me. Something different was happening. You know? And when you were seeing all these subtleties, you must be scratching your head thinking, I need to go deeper into this or what's happening and trying to figure out the, the structure of why is this working? The funny side of that was um, I got, I got, there was such demand for what I was doing, I had to go and rent a room. So I rented a room in a place in Terranure and then different therapists used it. It was just a room over the supermarket that a guy had the hindsight to see, oh, we could paint this up and use it as therapy rooms. So I used to go t- two days a week and I was busy enough to work two days a week there, but there was quite a few other therapists there. And I was still in that, I suppose, physical energy of being a martial artist. There's, there's, there's machoism that comes with that, that when you're young, it feeds that in you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see that it's happening, but it's obviously happening. And um, I'm still very physical in my approach to working on the table. There was people there that understood they were meditating they were doing reiki practices that that there was a teacher there who used to teach a lot of reiki students there and there was a couple of guys who did psychotherapy and were into buddhism and things so they were saying to me you're doing more than a matzo you're you're doing healing and i used to laugh at that and call them all hippies you know <laughs> i didn't understand it you know yeah, now we, yeah. they, we all got on like a little family we were great fun together but that aspect of me hadn't been woken up yet and i just didn't understand it it was funny there was a funny story and a guy one of the guys who used to say to me and i'd say to him ah pat you're just a hippie you know he's no longer with us uh, but um he was going on a on a, a sweat lodge one day, one Saturday, and I went into the clinic at nine o'clock as I always would, 
and Pat was there with a big swollen ankle. And he said to me, Mark, would you hold my ankle for me? And I'm going on this thing and I don't want to miss it. And this, I twisted it this morning and it was blown up like a balloon. And I said, I can't do anything with that. And he said, he said to me, Mark, just please hold it. Just, just hold it. And I held it. And I closed my eyes and it was probably the first real time I ever sat to do a healing. Wow. And it just shrunk in my hands. And I just was like, whoa, what the hell was that? And he said to me, I told you. <laughs> and off he went to be sweat lodge. <laughs> and we left it at that. But that moment did shake up something inside me and I thought, okay, I need to, I don't understand any of this other stuff they're talking about, esoteric stuff, let's call it. Mm. I need to go, so I need to explore this. And it, what what happened was then I just joined a meditation class and I, I learned how to meditate. And then that started to move things forward for me, you know. Um, and later, how do, how do I get from being that martial artist to the yoga, the more peaceful warrior let's say <laughs> um, I meditation was the first step and then um, I was introduced to someone who took me on a personal development journey and um, you know like it, it, she was she was very spiritual in her in her approach and it was again it was all new to me but I remember her the first thing she asked me when I sat down in front of her she, she asked me my name, obviously, and I tell her, and how did you hear about me? I told her, and she said, so why are you here? And we had a few little words, and she said to me then, ah, so you want to find out who you are? And I was like, do I? And she said, well, who are you? And I couldn't answer that question. Oh. I genuinely couldn't answer that question. And I thought, well, I don't even know who I am. I'm... I, I was able to say I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an embroidery factory machinist, but she's like, no, no, who are you? That's what you do in the world. And that stopped me a little and made me think. And I worked with her for quite a while, um, one-to-one, and yeah, there was something big started to change inside me with that. And I pursued that personal development um, avenue for quite a number of years in my in my mid to late 30s. Um, I, I really dived into that and started to explore all those aspects of myself. And lo and behold, as I was doing that, I noticed then that my practice was changing from a physical practice to a healing practice. Um, and that took me down the road of wanting to delve as deep as I could into me, you know. And I did a lot of, yeah, the, I suppose that girl, Siobhan, she wasn't a trained psychotherapist. I think she was a counsellor, but she was doing it in a way that I haven't met another therapist like her to this day. Um, but I did, the guy that I'd started my meditation classes with previously, if there was a male and a female that were similar in the way they were walking, there they were. Now he was a trained psychotherapist, but he was, he'd also delved a lot into the esoteric world and very, very switched on psychic abilities. And when I finished, one day Siobhan said to me, maybe you should do this with a man now. We've done two years work together. You know, it's time to explore the masculine side. And then I went walking with Stuart then and well, you know, 
when the balance came in, that was pretty magical, you know. And lots and lots of things started happening. That's when I started to explore trance healing and healing through meditation. And my work was absolutely changing. My hands were were going beyond the flexion and extension motion in the body into places that some days I'd have my hand on a person and I'd have to open my eyes to see is my hand inside the body or outside the body because I was feeling it inside but I'd look and it was just sitting on the outside you know yeah so yeah yeah there was lots of things going on there you know you're paring back the onion of you and you're, you're discovering your your true ability in the soul and, and you're having these discoveries through exploration through the the hidden or invisible field that we call energy yeah and so, so you're 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 going through these, and you're saying, "Hmm, I'm, I'm seeing these amazing things happen to people." Did you go off to abroad to kind of advance those skills, or what happened? Yeah, to answer that question, um, going abroad, obviously, I'd I'd been traveling to Japan to train as well, you know. So that was that was great. Japan's an amazing country, and so when you go into the energy of the dojos over there with these top high level the, the grandmaster particularly it's it's pretty amazing you you see the energy in the room I, I was noticing even when I was over there I was I was watching them moving with almost clouds in front of them you know it was it was pretty interesting yeah and it is. I was starting to see I suppose but yeah to explore energy work on a different level the first place I went to would have been um, the Art of Findlay College in, in England You've probably heard of that place, Stance at Home. Yes. I started going back and forward there until then. I had a wonderful experience over there with an old lady. She was 83 at the time, one of the teachers. And one of the things I'd noticed over there was there was tremendous and really great teachings going on. And you would see people changing halfway through the week, opening up and even changing the colour of the clothes they were wearing. It was like life was happening over there. You can almost cut the energy in half if you had a knife in your hand, you know. <laughs> um, so that was a lovely place to go to. But I had a great experience the last time I was there. This lady, she, you go into groups and it was about my fifth time to be there and you'd stay for a week at a time. But this, I noticed the teacher, she was our teacher for the week. And she was just fantastic she she taught us for the whole week it was my first real experience of trance work she taught us for the whole week she was a little old lady like your grandmother and when she spoke when we started the classes you'd get this little switch happening in her eyes and then this man's voice would come through and all the meditations we did that week were led by this voice and that was for entering into trance and totally surrendering to it and trusting that the group would be taken care of and I had some incredible visual experiences in those classes like when I think of it just incredible and one of the experiences I had was being able to stand in front of a person and close my eyes for a moment listen to that voice leading me into the meditation then open my eyes and look at the person and I could see them like an x-ray. And I was able to spot the discrepancies in their skeletal system. And then 
not knowing anything about this person, being able to name it all and then walk up with it. And that was mind blowing, as you can imagine. But it was just being in that energy that that was happening, you know. But she gave me a wonderful experience that I noticed after a day or two she couldn't move her arm. She was hiding the fact she couldn't move her arm. And I spoke to her and said to her, um, would you like me to look at that problem you have in your shoulder? And she said, how did you know? And through my experience, I can see that. I can see a person. I can kind of see where issues are. But this was very clear. She couldn't move it more than maybe two inches away from her body. So I offered the, I said, told you, like, do some work on it. That's what I do at home. And she said, okay, I'll have to get permission over there. It's all rules. So she came back later and said, Mark, we have permission, you can do this. We have to do it tonight after nine o'clock, up in the loft. Now this is an old stately home with only one thing going on for the last 70 years, going on in it for the 70 years. So the place is dense with energy and it's pretty good energy, you know? So we go up to the smallest room in the place in the attic and we sit down and she just said to me, so what are we gonna do? And it was the first time I had a a client, if you want to call it that, sitting in a chair, not lying on one of these tables, you know. Okay. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I said, okay, look, we just sit for a moment and we'll see. So I sat beside her. She was sitting facing this way. I'm sitting side on to her. And I just placed my hands on her shoulder and I closed my eyes as she did. And I felt the most incredible thing happen in my hands. It took a few minutes and it was like, the best way I can describe it is, you know a plunger that you plunge a sink with? Yeah. If you stuck that to the wall and then you pull it off, there's a sucking <laughs> sensation out of it. Well, it felt like that in her shoulder, this sucking sensation coming out into my hands. And then my left hand got taken. And I can't describe it any other way than other than it got taken to the back of her head. And I'd studied cranial work up to this point. And I with one hand had the most incredible cranial experience I've ever had. I've never had it again to this day. It showed me exactly what goes on when you put your hands onto the back of a person's skull. And it was almost like it lifted her head completely off her body wow. and dropped it back down. Yeah. And then my hand came back around for a moment or two. It took all of 20 minutes and I took my hands away or they were taken away because it was all energy work. And she looked at me and there was a smile in her eyes and she just said, this was the words. She said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I repeat back to her, well, I came to meet people like you. And she said, okay, let's have a chat. And we chatted for two hours. And it was to this day, again, one of the most wonderful conversations I ever had. Because she said to me in that conversation, I'm 83. And I've been doing this walk all my life and I've never experienced anything like that. And she just said, you don't need to come back here. You just go out in the world and do what you're doing. But you have to trust it because that was my big issue. I wasn't trusting myself. Um, and the next morning, going to class, we were met in the hallway and she just went, good morning, Mark. And she lifted her arm right up in the air. <laughs> and... The following day, she didn't tell anyone, and the following day in front of the class, she swung her arm around like a windmill. And she said, I just want to show you what can happen when you trust. And that was a very powerful moment in drawing me into work with energy.
um, it was profound. It was it was wonderful. And after that, I I wanted to explore meditation more. So I went off to study with Deepak Chopra. Then I I went to the Chopra Center in California for maybe three years. I maybe visited six or seven times, and I I got a qualification in teaching the type of meditation they teach. And it's just a mantra-based meditation, but. Um, I don't even walk with that or I never came back to teach it the way you're trained to be a teacher in a particular way but what I got from it was pretty amazing then because it took me out of my I, I've worked from home mostly and it, as I do say to people I'm famous in my own backyard I have the clinic in the backyard but <laughs> it took me out of my backyard into the world to mix with hundreds of people over there that would turn up to his workshops and courses and I met many many great healers and practitioners and what it showed me was I could stand shoulder to shoulder with them what I was doing I was kind of wrapped up in it all in here it was just my day job now and um, but I didn't recognize um, how far or how deep I'd gone into doing energy work until I went out in the world and mixed with similar people, you know, because even over there, people were knocking on my hotel room saying, hey, I believe you can do this and you can do that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I just do the job. You know? <laughs> it was funny to meet that. Um, but it was good as well because it really did show me that I was doing something special, I suppose, you know. And yeah. It's, it's interesting how we, we just need a little opening yeah. And it opens up our whole world to yeah. to become like wow, like like that blessing you got from that woman. Yeah. It, it gave you the acknowledgement. Okay, I can go out and, and do this and, yeah. and and be who I need to be, which is sometimes something simple that we need. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so with uh so so you're you're get you're climbing up the ranks in 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 your gifts and your abilities. And you, you reach a stage now where I can, in the, the back garden of my house, in Little Ireland, I can I can provide blessings and healings to people. Mm-hmm. How did that feel traveling around the world and coming back here and trying to bring those teachings and knowledge to to combine with you? Yeah, um, with for for me personally, yeah, um, it. What I was noticing was, I would always look, you know, I've grown up here in this area in Ballyferma in Dublin. It's um, it's a quite an ordinary place to grow up in. And when I was growing up in the late 60s, early 70s, it was a pretty tough existence. Um, but it was a great existence as well. There's was, was a great sense of uh, camaraderie around this area. Neighborly. It's still very neighborly. It's wonderful in that way. But um, I was starting to see the the greyness or the darkness that hangs over places like this, you know. And I was starting to, I suppose, grow out of that or mature out of it in a way that I didn't understand existed, you know. And so I was seeing that. And what was lovely was that I was starting to hold meditation groups and people were really interested in it. So... And especially local people, they were they were turning up in the masses and you know wanting more. And it was wonderful to bring to see that 
I was bringing something back that people wanted, friends, family, and my brothers were coming. I'll tell you a funny story. You know, this area, In if you jump back 15 years, there was about 13 or 14 bars in this area, and they'd be very busy bars in those days. And then um, I would have been someone who hung around those bars previously and all that. And um, so I knew lots and lots of guys. But I started a Friday night meditation class here one time, jumping back about 15 years ago. And very quickly, you only sit 10 people in this room, okay. but very quickly there was 10 guys in this room within a few months. And they were all guys who would spend a Friday night sitting at the bar. And all of a sudden they were all here meditating. And that was just brilliant. I, you know, it was, that was heartwarming for me to know that, you know, that type of guy wanted to do something different and was willing to give up his Friday night to come and do it. That was, that was great. I love little things like that, you know? And so I was obviously bringing back something that um, was worth sharing. And that's what I do these days. That's, that's what I love doing these days. I love working with groups of people. Um, And I find when I sit with groups of people, all I'm doing is it's all about me I'm just sharing my experiences and it's wonderful when they come to you later and, and just acknowledge what it's done for them you know and when we sit together as groups meditating or doing healings or you know I, I try and flow with the group energy and see what it needs and the positivity that comes back is wonderful so you know what did I bring back that some all I brought back was me developing into something that I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> and it's nice to be able to share that, you know. It, it is. Um, so so before we start, you were talking about cannabis. Did you, um, or sorry, canna, canna, cannabis oil, mm-hmm. CBD in uh, for short. Mm-hmm. But how did you come across that and minerals and salts to, to help the person when they come in to continue their blossoming as an individual? Yeah, the, the exploration of those things, I suppose. Um, again, I always try things on myself. So the whole... The whole journey into minerals and vitamins and one of the things I found myself doing many years ago was um, start because I walk from home and my kitchen is just 20 yards away or less mm. um, I, I started to feed myself as well as I could. I, I did notice that um, excuse me um, you know I started to see the understanding that this body if you look after it it'll serve you much better. So I started to delve into feeding myself well. I became one of those, um, they're very popular now, but 20 years ago I, I was juicing every day. I was, my breakfast was a point of vegetable juice, you know. Um, so I was doing all that, I was buying organic food when it was hard to buy. I was, I was getting back to nature as much as I could, looking after myself. When I would share that then with clients, that information, and they'd even do it a small bit, I was noticing changes. So that made me pursue it more. And then I started looking at vitamins and minerals and how they'd help out. And again, as I got into yoga, I noticed that, you know, looking after your body better, not just exercising, was a good thing to do. The cannabis oil, um, 
my first experience of cannabis oil or uh, CBD oil, five years ago, my mother, I'd managed her back and her knees for a long time, so much so that I was barely having to treat her anymore. And wow. like she might be in with me three or four times a year because she had a pain in her back, not a chronic back problem anymore. Mm-hmm. But one thing my mother would have been, um, when I think about my mother now, God Lord, the way she the way she looked after herself all the years, she didn't look after herself very well. So her body was breaking down. And she went on a three month holiday to stay with her brother in the south of Spain. And I went down to collect her. And when I brought her back, her knee, her legs swelled up on the flight. And she ended up in bed and she ended up on her legs in an awful state. It, if I say they were swollen, there's a width of her toes all the way down to her ankles, I wouldn't be lying. You couldn't make out her knees or her ankles, her legs were so big. And we had to get that checked out, of course. So when we got the scans done, they said, look, your mother's knees are completely gone and she needs two knee replacements and we're going to put her top of the waiting list because she didn't have private insurance and all that. And I thought, we can't wait that long, she's too bad. And I'd been reading about uh, CBD oil and cannabis oil. It was starting to get some attention in America. So I rang a company in America in San Diego and asked what was the best one they had and could they send it to Ireland? And they said they could. And I bought a three month supply of a 20% CBD paste. And at the time, it cost me four and a half thousand euro to buy it. It actually cost me 3,800. It was in a sale. It should have been about 5,000. Okay. But when it landed in Ireland, they put 600 euro duty on it. So that was it. That was horrible. But I, I did it and anyway, I paid it and got the oil for my mother. And it was profound. For me as a practitioner working with people in pain, my mother was in a bad way at that stage. And in a week and a half, she was off for painkillers. And six weeks later, she got back on a flight and she went and spent six weeks with her brother again without the oil, because I wouldn't let her carry it with her because I thought she'd take it off her. Mm. And she came back feeling so well after six weeks with no pain. Now I'm watching this going, this is amazing. She was running down the stairs and she fell down the stairs and hurt her knee again. (laughs) But she was able to run down the stairs. Now we finished out the three month course of the oil after that. And when she got, this all started in September, she was called the following June for her operations and she didn't need the operations. Wow. She never had them. And that blew me away. Now I knew at that stage that I could start supplying oil to my clients because I was allowed to have it in the country, but it was, in my mind, it was too expensive. And I thought, nobody's going to spend that money on something they don't don't know anything about. Mm. But a few years later, maybe two years later, when I noticed that CBD had come down much more in price and there was a few good brands out there, I started to get it in here for my clients. And I've seen nothing but... I honestly have seen nothing but miracles happen with CBD oil here, you know, for people for all different reasons. So much so that I used to be cautious handing it out to people, but now I just say to people, you have to just try this. Um, And I can say that confidently because what I have here is only good high-end brands. And I'm I'm very skeptical of a lot of CBD that's on the market today. 
Um, and it's very important that people understand that when they use it, they need to get good, proper stuff, you know. And it is very important that you know what you're getting, what you're using. And it, it, I always said there was no magic wand, but I'm kind of changing my mind on that one. <laughs> and that, that is all honesty. If you want to take my experience with, with cannabis oil, I can go one further on this. Um, and, you know, I happily share this this story with so many people because Ireland uh, per capita now has the most cancer in Europe. We're, we're the number one country in, in Europe for cancer. And it's coming thick and fast. I even seen a statement a while back saying that in 20 years time, it will be one in two people. So that is not good. Um, and I live in Spain these days, and I just come back to Ireland to work and, you know, do what I do. But the reason I live in the part of Spain I live in, my partner's mother has lived there for many, many years. And she went down a sick woman. She had a, a problem called myasthenia gravis. And it's a pretty severe problem. And she was on 13 medications a day. But a few years ago, um, it's, it's a little over, it's two and a half years ago now when she was diagnosed with a lung tumor. And she had a very bad pneumonia at the time and they couldn't treat the tumor because she was so sick. So it took them about three months before they could even consider looking back at the tumor to get her healthy enough and strong enough and by the time she got to an oncologist and the oncologist brought a treatment plan for her, she, the tumor had grown and they didn't notice. And they were still working off the scans they'd taken three or four months previously. So the, the oncologist said to her, it's an isolated tumor in your lung. We can open you up and remove it and then we talk about a treatment plan. And she was very happy to go with that. But when the, they opened her up, the tumor had spread and it had invaded her chest cavity and it had attached itself to her aorta. So she now had an aortic tumor, which can't be touched. And it was also crushing her spleen. It was 12.7 centimeters. Wow. It was a big one. And, okay, yeah. and I said to her, what happened with her? She made these choices herself. The oncologist offered her chemotherapy to maybe reduce the tumor, but told her she couldn't cure it. She couldn't do radiation or radiotherapy and, and they couldn't remove the tumor because she would bleed out if the aorta got damaged. So Geraldine refused the, she refused the chemotherapy because she said, look, if I'll, I'll be sick and I'll lose my hair and I'm gonna die in any way. So what's the point in doing that? She thought I'll go home and just, I'll be with my daughter, she has a one daughter, she said, at least she's here, I can go home, spend time with her and we'll play this thing out. But in Spain, you're allowed to grow tree plants. So I got tree plants going and I got some neighbors to grow some plants and we made real cannabis oil, not CBD oil, we made full spectrum oil. Wow. And we put her on a program of that. We, I took her, she moved in with myself and my partner and I fed her for three months on a particular diet with no sugar whatsoever and gave her a certain amount of oil three times a day in suppository form because then um, she couldn't take it orally and go into the high of cannabis because of the other illness she had. But she was 70 as well at the time, so he didn't want to do that to her. And once again, 
three months ago she had all her tests done and she didn't have cancer. It, it's gone, you know, it reduced the tumour drastically, it killed the tumour and when she had her first scans after one year, the tumour was half the size but it was dead and now when she had her checks all done three months ago, they just said to her, hey, let's do this again next year, you're, you're brilliant, it's everything is good and that's that's one of the most profound cannabis oil stories I've come across, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was hands-on, it wasn't, I wasn't hearing it through second parties and no. we honestly thought Geraldine wasn't going to make it and not only is the cancer gone, the myasthenia gravis, she's not on 13 medications a day anymore. She's wow. not on any. And yeah. She's running around like a woman in her 50s and she's 72. She lives in the mountains in Spain and she's out walking in the mountains and <laughs> doing things she couldn't do before. So it's like, I just tell everybody about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I've seen some great, great things happen around that, that plant, you know, it's it's marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's respected and walked away in the right way, it can, it, that was a miracle. She was sent home to die, you know? Yeah. And she was told we'll send you palliative care. And you should have seen the smile on her doctor when he seen the first scan. He he was brilliant. He just had a big smile on her face and he just said, well done, because we couldn't have done that, you know, so yeah, it was nice. Wow. So so you, you told us different spectrums of, of what happened through through life and experiences and all that, but what if, if you could sum it all up, what is the the essence of of us being here or what would you if someone met you on the street what would you tell them uh, as advice if say hey Mark you know I have a problem or this is not working or whatever what would that advice be whoa <laughs> hey I can call myself a hippie now with one of those <laughs> years ago and my hippie would say um, and I say that jokingly no respect to everything I've done over the years if I'm really honest it's like when I teach now, all I teach is for people to sit with their heart, to listen and pay attention to your heart because I think it's the big emotional center of who we truly are. But do you meet a person on the street and say that to them? No, because like me in the old days, they'll probably go, he's a hippie, go away, and they run the other direction. Um, so, you know, there's so much anxiety and depression and illness out there today and where does that person start baby steps really into can I constantly find myself asking people when do you nurture yourself when do you give you what you truly need when do you give you what your heart is asking for because we run around and get ourselves so busy doing things for everybody else we tend to forget about ourselves or we're scared to sit with ourselves and I think where I'm at today is to truly ask people can you do you ever get a sense of truly nurturing yourself and sitting with your heart and asking yourself what you really need and really that's where I'm at today wow and it's such a, a very powerful message, but wrapped into something so simple. Mm. Um, and if someone said, you know, Mark, one tool I could use would be a book or meditation or 
or what to to get them from zero a start to, point yeah start point yeah meditation is a great start point because it's still your mind and it is a great start point you know and I find as well you know I teach a course but um, I say to people it's just a stepping stone into your future it's not the be all and end all um, and it's like um, you meet if you said you do Reiki um, I meet so many people who've become they've done the Reiki course they become the Reiki master and I ask them well, what do you do with it even for yourself because I see even things like that as just an entrance into the rest of your life, developing yourself in a different way to what the world tells us, you know, a different way to grow. It's the, the truth of it for me is, um, can I honor myself and grow, mature in a nice way that shares compassion with the world, you know, things like that I think are important. Cool. Um, where can, if people want to go and do your course or find you or want to know more about Mr. Mark, where, where do we uh, My go? My website, um, it's just quite simply all the w's.markcleary.net and I have a YouTube page or channel under my name, Mark Cleary. I'm at the top of the YouTube channel. You <laughs> 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 put my name in. There's a few videos on that of um, me talking and some people who studied with me giving testimonials and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, my website that is the best way, I suppose. Cool. Mark, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you got to share, man. It's been fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. Likewise. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.